Romans chapter 12, verse 13 says this. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Now, there are four things or four observations I want to make about this passage as we look at it. Two of them have to do with the what of the passage. What exactly is God saying here? And two of them have to do with the why. Why is God telling us to share with those in need and practice hospitality? So to begin, observation number one, sharing with the Lord's people who are in need and practicing hospitality go together. They are two aspects of the same idea. The first portion of the idea, share with the Lord's people in need, recognizes the fact that there are needs all around us. In fact, I'd like you to do a little exercise with me. I'd like you to take your notes or a piece of paper and get out a pen or a pencil. If you don't have a writing instrument, for many of you, there is one in between the two chairs in front of you. You may, and here's the key word, borrow that pen. Please put it back. But you can use that and hopefully you will have uh, enough sort of writing utensils or writing instruments around you to be able to do this assignment. Please share. Again, the pen is in the front uh, where your chairs are, not sort of behind you, not in the chairs in front of you, but on your chair. Here's your assignment. I'd like each of us to write down two to three to four names that come to mind. Now, just don't put lots of thought into it, just the names that come to mind. You might want to simply write down family members, that would be fine. It might be good to take maybe one person from your family, one person from work, uh, a name of a neighbor, just four names of people that you know, preferably Christians, because it says, share with the Lord's people. So we are going to be talking about especially our interaction with other believers and simply write down again two, three, four names of people who come to mind. They don't have to live in the city. Uh, You don't have to necessarily have run into them yesterday. Just when I say write down some names, put down some names of people, friend from school, whatever comes to mind. Now, do you have some names? I want you to think about what need each of those people might have. A need that they might have in their life. Perhaps, and again, I gave you the opportunity to have three or four names. If you can't think of needs for every one of those people, that's why you have multiple people on the list. But the best you can, sort of think about each person and try to think what might be something they need right now. Is it a person on your list who maybe needs a friend? Are they struggling at work? Do they maybe need help with something in school? Might they have a financial need? 
Did you write down the name of someone with young children that maybe could use you uh, to come and babysit or, or need help with uh, taking care of children? Might they have a need for just a word of encouragement? Maybe they're going through a difficult time. Do they have a physical need? Maybe there's some sort of medical issue they're going through or dealing with. Could they use a visit from someone or a meal? Do they have a need for prayer? Maybe one of the people you wrote down on your list is sort of shaky in their faith or walking away from the Lord and really needs someone to pray for them. Take a moment and try to think of just a need that goes with the people that you've written down. Do you have some? This first portion of the verse is a recognition that there are needs all around us. That every person that we know has some sort of need, and the point from Romans 12, 13 is that God has given us, in many cases, the ability to help provide for those needs. It can be financial resources. It can be emotional resources. It can be social resources. It can be a word of encouragement. There are needs all around us, And God says, share with the Lord's people who are in need. And the first aspect of verse 13 is a recognition that every single person we know, everyone you wrote down on your list, has a need. Now, you may not have been able to know that need or those needs right now, but every single person in this room has needs. The second half of the verse, practice hospitality, focuses on the attitude that we have in meeting those needs. The first half of the verse is about the fact that there are needs and that we have some resources to help meet those needs. The second half of the verse is about our attitude in doing so. The word for hospitality is literally in Greek the word philozenia. Now, some of you may be familiar with the word xenophobia, which is the fear of strangers. Philozenia is the love of strangers. That's literally the word for hospitality. And the idea here is that we're not simply talking about meeting needs on a list. We're talking about caring for people who have needs. And the idea of practicing hospitality is opening up our lives, our homes, our families, our experiences to share our lives with those who are in need. So, for example, to meet the needs of others and practice hospitality, 
Imagine you have someone that you know who's struggling at work. It's to invite them to go to lunch with you. To open up about struggles that you've had in the past at work. To empathize with them in what they're going through and the struggles they're currently having. It's to recognize a need, to take action to meet that need, but to do so in a way that is opening up ourselves to that person. Or suppose you wrote down on your list someone who's here but not born in America. They've come here from a foreign country. Perhaps one of the needs they have is for you to invite them to go with you to the grocery store, to take them through the grocery, help them get settled here, to pay for their groceries, and help them get uh, acclimated to this new country in which they find themselves. It's to recognize that any time someone is asked to move to another country, there is a certain amount of fear and intimidation and trepidation and confusion that goes in that situation. And God is saying, share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. And so the first observation is these two aspects of this verse go together hand in hand. Second observation about what exactly God is saying here. See this word practice hospitality? That's a word that in other contexts means to seek diligently after or to pursue wholeheartedly. The idea here is, is that you and I are supposed to take the initiative in meeting the needs that are listed on that paper, in meeting the needs of those around us to the best of our ability. The idea here is not simply waiting until people come to us. The idea here is pursue wholeheartedly the opportunity to share with the Lord's people who are in need and to practice hospitality. It's the attitude that we hear of the Macedonian church in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. Paul's taking up an offering to help those in Jerusalem who are in the midst of a famine, and the church in Macedonia begs Paul for the chance to be able to participate. It's the attitude that David has in 2 Samuel chapter 9 when he says, is there anyone left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? David is actively pursuing those he can welcome into his family and bless with hospitality. He's not simply waiting until the request comes to him. He's going out and actively pursuing hospitality. 
It's the same idea that we see in Genesis chapter 19 with Lot. In the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, when angels come to visit disguised as human, Lot doesn't know that they're angels, and they're going to be staying in the city center. Lot goes out to them and invites them into his house, and they initially refuse. But the Bible says, but he insisted so strongly that they did go with him and entered his house. He prepared a meal for them, baking bread without yeast, and they ate. You hear that? He insisted so strongly. That's this idea. Pursue hospitality. Seek wholeheartedly after it. It reminds me of a couple in this church who the Lord has blessed with gifts of generosity and hospitality. Who every morning when they wake up, pray and ask the Lord, Lord, show us someone we can be generous to today. I'm reminded of the woman in our congregation who has a gift of hospitality, who prays regularly, Lord, this is your house. Show me who I can invite over today and what you're wanting to do in their life and how I can be a part of that. The idea here, pursue meeting the needs of others. So when we think about what exactly God is saying in verse 13, He's telling us that sharing with those in need and practicing hospitality, those go together. That we both have the resources, financial, emotional, social, all sorts of resources to meet the needs of people around us. And that the encouragement is for you and I to take the initiative and to pursue the chance to bless others. Why? There are many reasons why we would want to be generous and hospitable. Two are implicit in this passage. The first is the recognition that this command to be generous and hospitable to others comes in the midst of ten commandments of love about relationships. And the first reason why is because it builds and creates relationships with others. To be generous, to take the initiative to seek to meet the needs of others deepens the relationship with them. Now that's implicit in this passage. It's explicit in other passages. Consider a parable that Jesus tells in Luke 16 about a man who takes his money, it's actually his master's money, and uses it to win friends for himself. And Jesus says, here's the point of the parable. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Jesus' point is that you and I have resources. 
There he's talking specifically about financial resources. But of course he means all of the resources, the gifts that we have, the experiences that we have, the wounds that we've gone through, all the resources that we've had. And Jesus says, use those resources to win friends for yourselves because those relationships will last forever. And the reason why this is one of the commandments of love is that when we actively seek to bless others, it forms and deepens the relationships we have with them. Now, I'm not a generous person by nature. I've learned generosity from this church. Being here and being part of this church, one of the great blessings in my life personally is I have learned to be generous by watching all of you and watching this church do what it does. So this week, as I was trying to think, well, what should I say about this passage? I thought of some people that I know in this church who are especially generous and hospitable, And I called a few of them and said, just tell me what you think about generosity and hospitality. I'm just interested to know. It was interesting. Every person who responded had one thing that they all said that was in common. They all said, we recognize that everything we have is the Lord's. That's Jesus' point in Luke 16. It's all God's stuff. It all belongs to him. All our money, our homes, our cars, our clothes, our resources, our experiences, they're all his. And Jesus, who owns all the stuff, is saying, use my stuff to make friends for yourselves with other people, to build those relationships, because those relationships will last for eternity. That God's command, hey, it's all mine. Start spending it on other people. It's what he's commanding us to do. It's the same thing that comes up in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Command those who are rich in this present world, that's us, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of life that is truly life. What Paul is saying there is life is about relationships. We are relational beings. And the point is, God says, look, you and I have been given resources. Yes, financial resources, but other resources as well. And he is commanding us, use those resources to be generous and share with others. Because when you do, 
you will develop relationships with them that will last for eternity. That's what it means to take hold of the life that is really life. You see, sometimes we think of the idea of I'm obeying the Lord and the Lord is rewarding me with heavenly rewards. That's true. But sometime in our mind, we get the thought that, okay, for every sort of time in which we do a good deed or we serve the Lord, we get a little gold piece that's waiting for us in our bank account in heaven. And the picture is we have in our minds somehow of us in a mansion in heaven off by ourselves counting our gold pieces from all the work we did on earth. Let me tell you something. That's not heaven. That's hell. What are you going to do with gold in heaven? It's worthless. What are you going to buy? That's the stuff they pave the streets with. It's not that we're storing up for ourselves gold pieces in heaven that someday in eternity we'll sit alone by ourselves in a mansion somewhere counting up all the money we have. No, what heaven is, is heaven is you and I sitting down to a meal together. It's us enjoying fellowship with those that we've loved in the Lord who've gone home before us. It's the opportunity to spend time with Jesus. Heaven is about relationships. And the point that Jesus is making, why do you want to share with Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality? Because it develops and strengthens relationships that will last forever and ever and ever. Paul is saying, look, you got some money now. Spend it on stuff that's going to count. Relationships. Then you will take hold of the life that's truly life. Sitting in a mansion somewhere counting gold pieces, that's not life. Remembering together the time in which you came alongside of someone who was in need and blessed them. That's life. It's why when you invite someone who's struggling at work to go out to lunch with you, and you open up about struggles that you've had. And you share with them what they may be uh, going through. And, and advice that the Lord has taught you. You're building and strengthening a relationship that will last forever. There will be a time in heaven where the two of you sit down and remember that discussion. It's when you decide to take that young couple who probably uh, is struggling with having enough money for babysitting and you give them some money so they can go out to eat and you offer to watch their children for them. While you're doing that, you are building relationships with them and with those children and that relationship is going to last for eternity. It's why when you go to the widow's house and you offer to fix her sink and while you're there doing work in her kitchen, you talk with her about her experiences and about her life. What you're doing is building relationships that will last for eternity. Why are we to share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality? God is trying to tell us, I know what life is really supposed to be about. It's not about possessions. It's about relationships. And those relationships will last forever. So the first reason God gives us this command is because he knows that when we do it, we'll be blessed in the best way possibly, possible, relationally.
finally, the fourth observation about this verse, which is the second implicit reason why we're to do this. And it comes out of the recognition that this command is in Romans chapter 12. Having built on 11 chapters of God himself sharing with us in our need and wholeheartedly pursuing hospitality towards us. The book of Romans begins by talking about what sinners we are, how often we have disobeyed, how much our hearts have gone away from the Lord. And then in chapter 3, it begins to introduce this idea, but God chose not to deal with us as our sins deserve, but reached out to us in our need. We were suffering from Satan, sin, and death, and God took the initiative to pursue us, to invite us into his family, to adopt us as children, which, by the way, is perhaps the best expression, adoption, of generosity and hospitality welcoming someone into your family. That's what God did for us. And the opportunity we have in Romans chapter 12 is to follow his example, to be generous to others because God has been generous to us. To overlook the fact that they may have sins that got them into the need that they're in and simply try to meet their needs out of the generosity God has provided for us. See, one of the reasons why we're not overly generous and we're not always very hospitable is fear. What if my generosity gets abused? What if I get in the middle of a situation and I don't have enough resources, emotional or financial or or time-wise or energy-wise to meet the needs of this person? What if they take my generosity for granted? What if I invite them into my life and I end up getting hurt? What if I open up my family to them and it doesn't go the way I hoped it would go? And the fear can be immobilizing and we say, I'm just going to close right back up. But there's a reason why Romans chapter 12 comes after 11 chapters of God telling us his character, of God reminding us, if God is for us, who can be against us? And the point is, if when we were disobedient to God, God pursued us, do we really think he's going to abandon us once we try to obey? If he is with us, and protecting us and loving us when we were sinners? Will he not walk alongside of us when we're trying to be generous? Listen to what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way 
so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. The promise of God is you and I can be generous by faith because God himself has promised, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You will never be able to outgive God, whether financially or emotionally or time-wise or energy-wise or initiative. God is saying, listen, if you will follow in my example, I will make sure that you are supplied with whatever you need to go and be generous to others. And so Romans waited 12 chapters as we came face to face with a good, good father, a kind and loving God, an all-powerful God who is able to meet all our needs to tell us in light of this kind of God, you and I are free to share with others who are in need and to pursue actively blessing them. So I have an assignment for you this week. On your piece of paper are some names and some needs. If you have a name and you didn't think of a need, weren't able to think of one right now, you can go home and pray that the Lord might show you a need. You can even ask the person if there's some way in which you might be able to bless them. But here's your assignment this week. Take one name, need, combination off your sheet and try to meet it. If they have a health need and you thought about praying for them, then then make a concerted effort this week to pray for them. If they have a financial need, try to meet it. If you're not able to meet it financially, call the church. Maybe we'll be able to help. If it's something where uh, there is a person who has an emotional need, Write them a note of encouragement. Whatever you can do to try to meet that need now. I said the assignment is one name and one need. That's the base level package. There are some super achievers in here. Praise the Lord. For all of you, take all four of them. Whatever you got on your list, go after those things. Don't wait to see if that person will come to you, there's got to be some reason why in this place, at this time with God present, those people's names came to your mind and those needs came to your mind. And ask the Lord to help you meet them. I close this morning with what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 25. The end of time when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him. He will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep, those who are believers in Jesus, on his right and he will put the goats, those who have rejected Jesus, on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, 
you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you took the initiative to give me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you chose to come visit me. Then the righteous will answer him. But Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you, a stranger, and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you, Jesus, sick or in prison and go and visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me.